When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. If you've been around the Autism Helper block for a while, you know how passionate I am about independent work. If you are in the professional development membership, we talk about independent work month one. We have two of my favorite training videos ever in that month because independent work is a cornerstone in your classroom. If you are in a self-contained or resource room, you need independent work to allow small group instruction to happen. Small group instruction is essential because you can provide focused, individualized, differentiated work for each group of learners. This can happen when some kids are working independently. You can't be working with all students at one time. So while students aren't with you, they have to be doing something on their own. And an unoccupied student is a naughty student. And I mean that with zero judgment because an unoccupied adult is a naughty adult, right? And by naughty, I really just mean off task. Don't take it the wrong way. But you and I, when we're bored, we engage in off task behaviors. We do, right? Think about the last time you were sitting at a really long stoplight or railroad crossing. You're sitting in your car, the light is red, the the train's going by, whatever's happening. You're sitting there, you're sitting there. What do you do eventually? Do you just sit with your hands at 10 and 2 ready to drive? No. You probably get your phone out, right? You're scrolling TikTok. You're responding to emails. You're playing a game. And all of a sudden, people behind you are beeping because the train is passed and it's your turn. You were bored. 
So you engaged in off-task behaviors. We all do that. So do our students, right? If they're bored, they're going to engage in off-task behaviors. Behavior problems stem from this. So we need independent work to keep our kids engaged so we can work with other groups of students. Now, this isn't the only reason independent work is important. If that was the only reason, that wouldn't be good enough, right? We have a better reason. Independent skills are absolutely essential to being an adult, to having a job, to being a contributing member of a community or a household. We have to be able to work independently. Does your principal sit with you and write your entire IEP with you? No, that would be super weird. You do it independently, right? When you get your first job and you're working at Outback Steakhouse and at the end of the night you have to roll silverware, does your boss sit with you and do it? No, you have to do it by yourself. And you don't just have to roll five sets of silverware. You have to roll like 150 sets of silverware. You have to work by yourself for a sustained time period. So when we're building independent work skills, it's really building work endurance. We want our kids to work for longer and longer time periods alone, by themselves. This is essential. This is not busy work. I'm pretty sure I have a podcast episode called Why I Hate the Phrase Busy Work. It's not busy work. It's important. These are essential, critical life skills. So long intro to this topic today. We're going to talk about task boxes. So I often teach setting up independent work systems in the classroom by using task boxes. Task boxes are great because they're small, they're contained, you can literally fit any type of independent activity, academic based, life skills based, functional skill based, whatever you want in this box. And what I like about a task box is it teaches the transition, right? You have to see what task you're assigned, find the task, set up the task, do the task, put it away and put it back on the spot and find your next one. That whole process is very important within the independent system. Today we're going to talk about what's in those task boxes. We're going to talk about my do's and don'ts for task boxes and I have three of each. I probably could have thought of 10 of each but I know you don't want to listen to a 45 minute episode on task boxes or maybe you do and maybe there'll be a part two. So task box do's and don'ts. I've been sharing some of these on Instagram and always have a great kind of reaction and response to these. So I love it. So let's start off with the good stuff. Let's start off with what are the task box do's? What should you make sure to establish and set up when creating your task bins and setting up your independent work systems? So number one, task box do's. Do make sure you have enough variety. This is the most important piece and this is why I talk about independent systems and task boxes very early in the school year because I think if you're a new teacher, if you're in a new classroom, if you're switching grade levels, switching to special ed, you should spend the start of your year just making a bunch of task boxes. And if you're ready to set this up in the middle of the year or in the spring, whatever, do that now. Make a bunch of task boxes. And if you think you have enough, just make 10 more just in case. And that feels intimidating. That feels like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go spend my whole paycheck and the whole weekend. It really doesn't have to be. I recommend getting a bunch of bins from the Dollar Tree using bins you already have. You can use actual shoe boxes if you want. And as far as what's in those bins, you probably have all of the things already. Go through your closet. Go through your teacher resources. What things can make independent work? Then go through your home. Get different containers, get things to sort, um, get plastic silverware. I've talked about this before on the podcast and on YouTube. You could do a recycling drive at your school and ask specifically for things. Hey, does anyone have um, small plastic containers, egg cartons, um, extra beads or buttons? 
ask for a bunch of those things and put it in the office and have people bring it in. You'll end up throwing half of it away because it'll be actual garbage, but some of it you'll be able to use. You want to have enough task boxes so your students don't get bored. If they're doing the same things every day, you guys, that's so boring, right? Give them variety. My personal goal when setting up task boxes is I usually do about three per student per day. And that can depend, of course, on the student, how long they can work for. But if your goal is three per student per day, then for each student, they need to be able to do 15 different task boxes because I don't want them to repeat the task box they did on Monday again until next Monday. And we'll talk about that system in a second. So I want Monday through Friday, every day they're doing different task boxes. That doesn't mean you need 15 per student because now you're doing the math in your head and you're like, holy crap, Sasha, that's a lot. Now on Monday, if Johnny is doing task box A, task box B, and task box C, on Tuesday, Sarah can do those. And on Wednesday, Tim can do those. So you don't necessarily need 15 dedicated ones for each student, but you need at least 15 that that student can do. Because you're going to have some task bins that are too difficult or way too easy. So you want to get that sweet spot 15 per student. So that is do number one. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Do number two, do have a schedule. This is maybe my favorite one. And this is like, I keep kind of talking about the membership videos, but like, oh my God, the membership task box videos are some of my favorite. We have two independent center videos the first month that go super, super in depth on how to do this. And this is the game changer strategy. If you have struggled with independent work year after year, this is what makes it just night and day different is you need to have a schedule. And it takes a little bit of time to set the schedule up. But once you have it, you're just like good to go for the rest of the year. You don't even have to think about it. It's so unreal. So what the schedule should look like is Monday through Friday. What is each child doing? Like I just said, on Monday, Johnny's going to do task bin A, task bin B, task bin C. On Tuesday, he's going to do F and he's going to do N and he's going to do O. And if you're like talking, why is Sasha talking about these letters? This isn't a system where all the task bins are labeled with letters. They don't have to be with letters. They could be with pictures. They could be with shapes, whatever. But you get the idea. They're doing, you know which three each are doing every day for every student. You, The goal here also is that one bin is probably only being used for one student in that day. Because the day's busy, we're, you know, you're understaffed. You don't necessarily have time to redo that task bin in front of them, which we're going to talk about that in a second. So you don't, if you don't get it done till the end of the day, that's fine because no one's using it that day. And, you know, the next day another child will use it. So let's say you have a task bin that's matching socks. 
you went to the Dollar Tree or you raided your kids' drawers and took out all the extra socks they don't use anymore. And we're going to work on this functional life skill of finding the pair of socks and folding them, matching them together, right? So that sock bin is on Monday going to be assigned to Johnny. On Tuesday, that sock bin is assigned to Sarah. On Wednesday, that sock bin is assigned to Tim. On Thursday, that sock bin is assigned to Sonia. And on Friday, it's assigned to Javier. So it's going to be used by five different kids throughout the week, each on a different day. So you need that schedule that lays that all out. Because once that schedule is done, then you wash, rinse, repeat. Then they redo that same weekly schedule every week, but they're not going to get bored because we have each task bin, you know, once. And a student could even then set it up for you. So that's truly the game changer strategy. Do number three, do incorporate academics. Now, I just gave an example of a life skills-based task box with matching socks. There's all kinds of great life skills things you can do, tons of fine motor ones, but you also want to incorporate academics. You want to think about your previously mastered skills, your IEP goals from last year. How can that be a task bin? Can you work on matching letters? Can you fill in sight words to sentences? Can you make lists of synonyms and antonyms? Can you match pictures to words? Can you put more and less on different quantities of coins? Can you match coin combinations? Can you um, add numbers to quantity? There's so many different things we can do that we can make engaging, hands-on, but we really want to incorporate our academics. That's why we need this variety because maybe not all of your students are ready yet for counting coins, but some are. So make that coin counting box so you can assign that to the students that are ready for that academic skill. All right, we went through the three do's. Do have enough variety, do have a schedule for your task bins, and do incorporate academics. Now let's get to the don'ts. What do I not want to see with my task boxes and why? The first one blew up when I put this on Instagram. I think it had like 300,000 views and like thousands of comments. It was a really simple video and I put on TikTok too, I think, that said my biggest pet peeve is redoing the activity in the task box in front of the student. And I would say 99% of people were like, oh my God, me too. There were a few that were like, why? Let me explain it to you. When you assign a task to a child, like let's say it's sorting coins, right? Putting all the pennies together, all the nickels together, all the quarters together to work on coin identification, to work on discrimination skills, great. They spend five minutes doing that, that hard work. And then you look at them and say, good job. And then you dump all of the bins back in and like remix them up in front of them. You are literally communicating that their work was pointless and didn't matter. That's like if you folded all of your laundry, you spent 45 minutes, you folded all of your laundry, you didn't just leave it in the laundry basket like you wanted to do, you folded all of it and then someone came over and just dumped it out and mixed it up, right? You'd be like, what the heck, I just did that. Like you're, I hope you're cringing listening to that example, right? That's what it's communicating. So I had someone recently, I went and looked at this post and someone's like, well, it's part of the process. Right? I teach them to dump out their own stuff because it's part of the process. And I was like, no, it's not. There is a process. The process is to put it away. The process is to find your next thing you're assigned to. The process is not to undo the work you just did. I'm all about teaching a process. Don't get me wrong. Undoing the work you just did is not part of the process. So do not do that. Number two, don't think my students are not ready for independent work. I get this question a lot from preschool teachers especially. And I get that, right? You've got the babies. It's like herding kittens. You're like, I can't possibly think of independent work. They're not ready to do anything independently yet. Now that word yet is really important. Even though they're not ready for independent work yet, 
you have to start, right? You still need to have an independent center in your classroom. It needs to have really easy, basic, fine motor tasks. And it needs to have a system for finding out what you're assigned, finding the task, setting up the task, all of that. And yes, the student may not be able to do it all by themselves now, but you want to work on that. And that independent center in your classroom should be called that. It should be called independent work. Even though you assign an adult to it, it should be called independent work because you want to also really teach your staff that there's a different goal here. The goal is them losing their job. Your job is to lose your job. People get scared of that saying. You're not going to really lose your job. We're going to have more to do once this is learned. But the, the setup and the role of that paraprofessional or teacher running that station is very different. You should not be sitting next to them. You should be sitting behind them. You should be hopefully bored. You should just be providing enough help as needed, kind of get them started and then back up. If they are off task or if they get up and wander, then you come in and help give another reminder or prompt. So you come in as needed, but you want to step back. And the goal of this is to get it to the point where you don't have to be there anymore. Now that might take a few months. That might take a few years. That's okay because you're working in that direction. So at every age we want to have this center, it might have to be staffed by an adult, but that's okay because you're getting towards that goal. And this leads perfectly to number three, don't overprompt. So again, even if, you know, this is an independent center and you have students that, you know, can do these tasks really well on their own, we want to be really careful of our role as the adult here because it's, a, as I said, it's a different intention in this station. It's not like, let's sit, let's work together, let's learn the skill. It's, hey, you're doing this by yourself. So when you do need to provide prompts or reminders, we want to as much as possible use a visual prompt because we can pull back from that and the student can use the visual prompt on their own. So maybe if you have like, a timer to show how much time is left or if you have some type of token system or first then you're going to kind of try to prompt with that visual so the student can be able to use that visual on their own eventually and be really aware of over prompting I mean none of us over prompt on purpose we do it on accident because we're just busy and trying to get things done right so if if possible on, on a regular basis do a little checks and balances and just take some data on how many prompts you're giving to make sure you're not over prompting all right, so those are my do's and don'ts for task boxes. Do have enough variety. Do have a schedule. Do incorporate academics. Don't undo in front of the student. Don't think that they're not ready for it yet and don't overprompt. I think this is a great time to reevaluate our task boxes. It's never too late to get started with a new independent system that is effective and streamlined and doesn't you know, have you staying after school every day, resetting things up and also isn't boring. So whatever stage of the school year you are in or whatever season you are in with your group, look at how you can level up or add this in because this can really be the key to helping your room run smoothly. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.